What's up, everybody? Oh my goodness, we're super excited. We have the one and only Max Montesi on the show today from The Last of Us. But man, oh man, he is just an all-around filmmaker that we just had the pleasure to talk to. Oh my gosh, we learned so much from this man. He drops so much information for all you up-and-comers out there. And let's be honest about it. Not everybody can go toe-to-toe with Pedro Pascal and live to tell the story. He does. He tells us the story. (laughs) (laughs) Man, it was so insightful from so many different projects working on indie filmmaking to huge budget television shows like The Last of Us. He's got some great stories. We're super excited about it. But that is later on the show. Now, let's get a little crazy. What's up, guys? It is episode 219 of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. Holy moly, you know your host with the most, myself, JLo Fantastic, and the one and only Mouth. What's up? Boy, oh boy, before we tease the rest of the show, be sure to leave a rating on the podcast. Comment below and tell us what you think about the show. Leaving a rating actually helps this podcast get seen by more people, especially those who enjoy entertainment news and those who are trying to break into the entertainment industry. But man, oh man, there's so much going down in Hollywood. Well, basically, with the big two, like we teased on social media, Man Oh Man Disney and Warner Brothers Discovery just putting it all out there this oh, week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm so super excited. But before we get this thing started, be sure to head over to our website, www.crazyantmedia.com, where you can start rocking the latest and greatest Crazy Ant Media gear. We got shirts, we got hats, we got anything and everything you need for your apparel needs. Man Oh Man, right now it is 15% off in Hell our yeah. store, so be sure to head over to our website like i said crazyantmedia.com and take advantage oh my goodness well we have to start off with disney because everybody knows the mouse house reigns over all yes uh disney ant-man and the wasp quantum mania buzzed to about 120 million at the domestic box office beating expectations and scoring by far the biggest opening weekend in the pint-sized Marvel <laughs> trilogy. Yes. Now, the superhero adventure starring Paul Rudd and Eveline Lilly as uh, title heroes brought in about $105 million from 4,345 North American theaters over the traditional weekend and finished the President's Day holiday frame with $120 million. Adding that extra day definitely helps. And it's the first $100 million domestic debut of 2023 that's so super exciting i mean the film added 121 million at the international box office bringing its global tally to 225 million quantum mania with a huge jump with uh procedurals surging past the opening of 2015's ant-man which was uh 57 million and 2018 sequel ant-man and the wasp only grossed about uh uh, seven, 76 million domestically on that opening weekend. Now, the latest Ant-Man adventure has a lofty responsibility of kicking off Phase 5 of the MCU. It continues with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, May 5th, yes. followed by newly delayed The Marvels on November 10th. Yes. I, I mean, so 
there you go. I think it was successful, right? Very Most much so. successful of the Ant-Man franchise, obviously. And, you know, in the world that we live in now with, with COVID, post-COVID, all that kind of stuff, it's a really solid opening. So Thanks. I feel like it's a good it's a good start to it. And if you haven't seen it yet, go fucking see it because Kang is fucking awesome. By far my favorite like, villain now. By far. Uh, j- just dude is slaying. He's absolutely slaying. You know what else is slaying? I'm super excited about this. Our man Steven Yeun is joining the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's right, Glenn from The Walking Dead. The Oscar-nominated actor will make his first appearance in Thunderbolts, joining the star-studded cast already of Florence Pugh, Sebastian Stan, and Julia Louis-Dreyfus, among mm. others. Now, it's not clear who Yoon will be playing in the film, which is expected to start shooting in June, but it's likely his character, whoever it may be, will play a role in the future of the sprawling MCU. Mm. Now, Jake Schreer is directing the Thunderbolts, which is due in theaters on July 26th of next year. The anti-hero adventure is intended to conclude the MCU's Phase 5 that just kicked off, like we told you, with Ant-Man and the Wasp and Quantumania, and continues with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, the Marvels, as Logan told you, and Captain America, New World Order, Blade, and Deadpool 3. So there you go. Now you know all of Phase 5. Oh, that's super exciting, man. Super exciting. One more exciting news coming out of Disney. Stella Maggie has been set to helm the episodes of the Marvel Studios and Disney Plus series Wonder Man. Yes. Starring Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. And it is believed that Maggie, with helm of multiple episodes for the series, along with Daniel Destin Creighton, who also will direct multiple episodes. Now, Andrew Guest is head writer of this bad boy, and Creighton also executive produces, along with Marvel. Marvel Studio president, of course, the one and only God himself, Kevin Feige. Yes. Now, Maggie already had a strong tie with Disney as she did produce, executive produce, uh, Tiana, a new animated series for Disney Plus revolving around the character from the Disney animated pick, The Princess and the Frog. So yes. close ties, man, close ties. Yes, and it only and for all you like just bastards, like upset because Wonder Man is gonna be black. Move the fuck on. That's all I'm saying. Just I, I'm hate. I hate seeing all that. It's hate so stupid. Shit. It's so stupid. Just yeah. enjoy, man. Enjoy. Yeah, I'm going to enjoy this because it's right around the corner. Literally, The Mandalorian is about to launch its long-awaited third season. March 4th, just like I said, right around the corner. And creator John Favreau recently confirmed that scripts for season four are already <laughs> written and waiting to be shot. Even though Disney and Lucasfilm haven't yet officially said there's going to be a fourth season. (laughs) Now, why is that? Because Favreau announced that he wrote season four scripts during season three post-production, stressing that it's essential that the scripts be done so that the series can continue to fit into and anchor the larger framework of the Star Wars universe. There are a handful of new Star Wars series on the way, as you guys know, including the highly anticipated Ahsoka, that will be set in the same time frame as The Mandalorian, as will the Jude Law starring series Skeleton Crew. Now, the Amanda Stenberg starring series The Acolyte actually takes place years in the past, so that's operating on a different schedule altogether. But hey, The Mandalorian, as I said, season three debuts March 1st, Right on Disney Plus, 
right around the corner, like a week and a half from now, guys. So I'm super so pumped. excited. <laughs> Everybody knows we love pop culture and specifically Star Wars and Marvel. So, man, oh, man, we have it marked on the calendar. Long live Grogu. Uh, <laughs> literally. <laughs> well, Melissa George has been tapped as the female lead opposite of Ben McKenzie and ABC's medical drama pilot that we told you about last week, The Hurt Unit. Yes. Written by Matt Lopez and John Glenn to direct by Mark Webb. Now, George will play a Dr. Ashcroft, the head of the psychiatric and deputy chief of administration at Ooh. Nashville's City South Hospital. In that latter capacity, she gets into a frequent and epic clashes with Dr. Danny Marsh, who is played by Ben McKenzie, a brilliant and initiative a psychotherapist. Rachel plays a crucial role in the ongoing care of the badly traumatized patients of the hurt unit and on occasion in counseling the deeply flawed flawed doctors themselves Ooh. right i i love it i've been a fan of melissa george since i first saw her on alias way the fuck back she's great so that's gonna be really yeah i know it's good it's fine i'm also a huge fan of this woman and i'm super pumped that she's getting all this work lately javicia leslie of you course of know her from batwoman is set as a lead opposite Caitlin Olson and Daniel Sunjata in ABC's character-based procedural drama pilot HPI that we told you about last week. Now, Leslie will play a character named Daphne. As we told you last week, the series centers on Morgan, a single mom with three kids and an exceptional mind who helps solve an unsolvable crime when she rearranges some evidence during mm. her shift as a cleaner for the police department. Shady. When they discover she has a knack for putting things in order because of her high intellectual potential, she's brought on as a consultant to work with the by-the-book season detective, Kardec, played by Sunjana. Mm. And together, they form an unusual and unstoppable team. Now, I'm also super psyched. We're just going to throw that out there. And spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, Javisha's not done with Batwoman. Well, she's kind of done with Batwoman. She's Red Flash. What the right. fuck? Not Batman, Batwoman. Yes, the final season of The Flash, y'all. You got to be sure to check that out because she got raw dealed on Batwoman. I'm so glad she's back and she's going to be a part of the ending. I think it's awesome. I agree, man. I agree. She deserved better and that's what she's getting right Hell now. Hell yes. Now, in a return five years in the making, original The Good Doctor cast member Chikup Modu is set to recur on the current sixth season of the ABC medical drama. Reprising his role as Dr. Jared Kalu, uh, he will first appear in March episode 6, apply titled, um, Our Old Friends. In it, Dr. Kalu, obviously, makes a surprise return to San Jose's St. Bonaventure Hospital with his billionaire patient. Oh. Modu's surgical resident, Jer- Dr. Jared Kalu, was a breakout character in season one who was close with fellow resident Dr. Sean Murphy, of course, Mr. The One and Only Freddie Highmore. Yes. Now, he got into trouble for punching a doctor who had sexually harassed his girlfriend, resident Claire Brown. Antonia Thomas played that character, if you didn't know. After being fired, Kalu used legal blackmail to secure reinstatement, but never was fully accepted by his bosses and broke up with Claire before heading to Colorado 
for a surgeon job. But yeah. man, oh man, I'm sure a lot of people are excited to see him back. Yeah, well, we saw Claire come back, so it only makes sense that he comes back. Exactly. Right? Uh, this one, yeah, I can take it or leave it. Whoopi Goldberg has been cast as a guest star in an upcoming episode of ABC's The Connors. Goldberg will play Miss Glenn, Mark's intimidating music teacher who has a complicated history with another member of the Connor family. Mm, oh, very interesting. Oh, oh. I haven't seen Whoopi on some like actual television shows in a while. She's a really good actress, yeah. so, you know, but okay. Yeah, man, yeah. Well, ABC is hitting a stride with its Wednesday night comedies, the premiere of Not Dead Yet and the Valentine's Day episode of About Elementary both drew solid numbers for mm. the network and delayed viewing. Now, the premiere episode of Not Dead Yet drew in an audience of about 706 million. 7.6 I was going to say, holy fuck. <laughs> almost a billion people? Holy oh, shit. man. 7.6 million people <laughs> after seven days of viewing across linear and digital platforms. That makes it ABC's most watched multi-platform comedy debut in nearly four years now since the premiere of bless this mess back in april of 2019 not dead yet seven day viewership marked an increase of four million from its live plus same day audience of six or 3.6 million on february 8th now that's the largest delayed viewing increase for ABC comedy since the Connors back in 2018. Mm. Now the Valentine's Day Abbott Elementary also aired to 3.2 million people after seven days that audience had grown to 7.4 million, which is a new high for this series. Now the episode marked the second consecutive telecast that grew that total number of viewership, drawing in its largest audience since the the January 4th mid-season premiere. Now, Abbott Elementary also hit a series high in demo ratings as well. The February um, the February 8th episode earned a 2.9 rating in the MP plus 7, uh, which was up 345% wow. from the 0.56 rating that drew in the L plus SD. Now, do any of you know what that means? No. It's basically the age demographic, okay? They hit the target age demographic, that 18 to, like, what, 35, 34? Yeah, So yeah. that's exciting, man. That's exciting. It is a good show, so it makes sense. Yeah, and I want to check out Not Dead Yet. I, I haven't watched it yet, but I keep seeing it, and I'm like, I want to click on that. This one should come to absolutely no surprise to anybody. The Goldbergs is ending after 10 seasons at ABC. The season 10 finale is set to air on May 3rd and will serve as the single camp comedies series finale the move to end the series is not altogether surprising even though it has been a cornerstone of the abc comedy slate throughout its run with solid ratings returns now, The Goldbergs is currently the longest-running live-action network comedy on the air, but has faced difficulties in the past few years. George Siegel, of course, who starred as Albert Pop Solomon on the show, passed away in early 2021. Later that same year, series star Jeff Garland exited the show following a human resources misconduct investigation. Ending the show also comes at a difficult time for the broadcast TV business in general, with major networks having ordered just a handful of comedy pilots at this point in the traditional pilot season and overall pilot order volume continues to plummet so yeah it's by no surprise i'm honestly surprised at at 
lasted this long yeah to be honest but i mean it was a great show through its whole run so i'm excited to see what they wrap it up as for sure um now heading over to fox after its february 16th premiere fox's latest comedy animal control has become the network's most streamed scripted debut makes sense now animal control earned a 4.5 total um million total in multiple platform viewers in its first three days of availability an increase of about a 114% from Live Plus Same Days figures. Now, on Hulu and Fox Now, the live-action comedy uh, recorded 1.3 million streaming viewers. Mm. Now, on Linear, the comedy delivered a .31 rating with high-key adults in that 18-49 to 49 demographic after it premiered on the February 16th to an audience of approximately 2 million total viewers. Now, the feat makes the series... Fox's most streamed live-action comedy ever, besting the 2015 premiere of The Last Man on Earth, which drew in about 1.22 million, and pushing it to become Fox's most comedy, uh, most watched comedy telecast since 2021's Last Man Standing finale, excluding, of course, post-NFL telecasts. Uh, The telecast did score a .05 rating among adults in that key demographic like we were just talking about, 18 to 49. So that's exciting, man. I mean, it does look pretty funny. Joe McHale, I mean, I feel like he's always the unsung comedian. Oh, for sure. I'm excited to give this one a watch. Yeah, me too. Me too. I'm definitely on the watch list to check out. All right, jumping over to the Bunny Warner Brothers Discovery. They had their fourth quarter earnings call this week, and it was not a good one for not David Zasloff. The company continued to work on making all of its various pieces merge together last year into a cohesive whole, but they failed. The, <laughs> the New York owner of the TNT and TBS cable networks, uh, the HBO Max streaming service, and the Warner Brothers production studio reported a net loss of $2.1 billion for its fiscal fourth quarter after the company wrote down... $1.85 billion in assets and faced nearly $1.2 billion in restructuring expenses. Mm. That's right. After he axed all the shit that he axed and all that, they still lost all that shit fucking money. That's just crazy. Revenue fell 9%, excluding the results of foreign exchange, and the company saw ad sales decrease 14% as its TV networks, even as it worked to add subscribers to its HBO Max and Discovery Plus streaming outlets. Now, the large media conglomerate faced declines in its main TV business, even as it worked to goose the financials of its new streaming assets. Warner Brothers Discovery's TV networks, which also include Discovery, CNN, and Food Network, saw revenue fall 6% to roughly $5.5 billion, with declines evident in affiliate fees as well as advertising. Studio operations saw revenue fall about 23% as the company collected less from licensing of its content. Was there any good news? Tell me there's some good news. Logan. I mean, man, HBO and HBO Max and Discovery Plus added oh! about <laughs> 1.1 million subscribers in quarter four to end 2022, which is good. That ends up with a total of 96.1 million subscribers that is worldwide. That's up from the 95 million combined global streaming uh, customers Warner Brothers Discovery hit 
from July 1st to September 30th. Now, the quarter and losses in the streaming operations did narrow. Oh. Um, now, the operating loss in its streaming operations came to, uh, oh, man, uh, $217 million in the quarter for its streaming assets compared to the pro forma losses of $728 million in the year earlier period. Now, during the call with investors, Garner Windefils, uh, the company's chief financial officer, indicated a new projection for $4 billion in cost savings by the end of 2024. Now, that is the new target. We'll see what freaking happens, but... I with this next story, I don't know if you can save any money, right? Like I just don't even get it. And didn't they try for four billion the last time they failed? I, I just I don't I don't even know. Yeah. Warner Brothers Pictures is revamping the Lord of the Rings film franchise. That's right, they're going back, guys. On this week's earnings call, Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zasloff himself also announced that the newly installed studio leaders Mike DeLuca and Pam Abbey have brokered a deal apparently to make multiple films based on the beloved J.A.R.R. Tolkien books. Now, the projects will be developed through Warner Brothers label New Line Cinema. The first Lord of the Rings trilogy, helmed by the man himself, Peter Jackson, grossed nearly $3 billion worldwide. Jackson's follow-up trilogy, based on Tolkien's The Hobbit, matched those grosses. Now, no filmmakers have been attached to the projects as of yet, but Jackson himself and his main Lord of the Rings collaborators, Fran Walsh and Philippa Boyens, said in a statement, quote, Warner Brothers and Embracer have kept us in the loop every step of the way. We look forward to speaking with them further to hear their vision for the franchise moving forward. Now, inaugural projects and timelines were not immediately disclosed. So are they going to keep him in the loop? Because Amazon said they did, and then they just dropped him all together, and they got nothing to do with it. That's what I'm curious about, man, because, I mean, especially with these two dueling projects, I know one's a TV show, and what it sounds like, these are going to be films. Right. I just still, it's going to be very confusing on what is happening where, and again, like they're trying to save $4 billion, this one is going to cost a shit ton of money. Yeah. So we shall see how that goes. I just so- hope they do indeed keep Peter Jackson involved because as Amazon found out, when he's not involved, people don't like the shit. Yeah. So, I mean, just the man knows what he's doing with those franchises. Keep him involved. That's yeah, all I'm saying. I mean, with that one and House of the Dragon, I feel like they're going to do pretty well. Oh, yeah. Uh, HBO and HBO Max content CEO Casey Bloys confirms that sometime in 2024, it's a good guess for the House of the Dragons return as production is getting underway. Although he's very mum on the exact time of year, Game of Thrones is obviously a franchise that has legs at HBO, but Bloys is cautious in going down that road too often. Even as some of his competitors double and triple down on the popular series, Bloys made clear he is not planning any spinoff series. Bloys offered the same answer when asked whether there would be ever another installment of the 
Emmy-winning Watchmen. Now, he has no interest in bringing it back or anyone other than executive producer Damian Lindolf. Lindolf. Uh, also, not in the cards are the return of rumored Six Feet Under revival, oh. which Bloys said was never really in the works to begin with. Um, and the return of True Blood, which was considered with HBO developing a few scripts, but ultimately decided against doing. So, I mean, trying to figure out what to do. I mean, it's very interesting. Well, he said, nice how he took a stab at Paramount, clearly, where they said they are building franchises and spinoffs. He's, He's like, like, yeah, we're not no. going to do it. So that led to this story, which I'm really upset about, but I get it, I guess. I'm just going to take it in and enjoy season four and then cry. As long been rumored, Succession is coming to an end, guys, with season four. And yes, it will be a real finale because, as we just mentioned, Bloys in the Network are not developing any spinoffs. Mm. So in season four, which premieres just in a couple of weeks, March 26th, the sale of media conglomerate Waystar Royco to tech visionary Lucas Madison moves even closer. The prospect of this sale provokes existential angst and familial division among the Roys as they anticipate what their lives will look like once the deal is complete. A power struggle ensues as the family weighs up the future of where their cultural and political weight is severely curtailed. Are they going to take it away from daddy? That's the plan. That's how it looked like it was ending. These kids all hate each other, but they're like, let's get together and take it away from dad before he sells the shit off. Yeah, so, it seems like I'm still in season one, and I mean that I'm like in the fourth episode, and it seems like that's all they're doing right now anyway. Yeah. So I, I'm just, <laughs> I'm really curious to see how it will happen, like you said, if it, if Logan does die or all of these different things, because it's been very teeter-totter It is a fucked up family, though. It the, is. The show is like, that is a fucked up family. <laughs> That's why I love it so much. Exactly, though. I mean, exactly. Well, speaking on something I love, I'm super excited that they're creating this. HBO Max is officially moving forward with its it prequel Ooh. series titled Welcome to Dairy. Mm. Now, the show was first reported being in development back in March of 2022, while Variety exclusively reported on that project had been attached, you know, a few uh, co-showrunners uh, back in November. As previously reported, the series was developed for television by Andy Moschetti, um, Barbara Moschetti, and Jason Fuse. Now... Exact plot details are being kept well under wraps, but official logline states that set in a world of Stephen King's It universe, Welcome to Dairy is based on King's It novel, of course, and it expands the vision established by filmmaker Andy Machete. And in the feature films, It and It Chapter 2. Yeah, if you guys didn't realize, that's the director who took the helm of both of those projects. Yes. Now, Fuches is writing the teleplay for the first episode of the series as we speak, and it's based on the story by him and Andy. Now, Andy will also direct multiple episodes of this bad boy, including the first to get that thing all started. Now, Fuchs and Brad Caleb King serve as co-showrunners and executive producers. I'm super freaking excited. Stephen King always sails out of packed house. So, man, oh, man, I think this is going to be successful. Yes, and it's such a nice name. Welcome to Dairy. <laughs> right? Doesn't it just kind of, like, welcome you in and, like, all this different shit? But, man, oh, man, Pennywise is going to get that ass. Yeah, we and we're going to find out why, I'm guessing, right? We're going to find out what the fuck. Uh, literally, that's going to be amazing. Hey, did you guys know that Stanley Kubrick, speaking of a phenomenal director who told yeah. fucked up stories, right? <laughs> like, did you know he had an unmade feature film? 
He did. It was called Napoleon, and guess what? Apparently, Steven Spielberg has confirmed that he's working on a seven-part limited series for HBO based on that unmade feature film, Napoleon. Now, rumors of which first began floating around back in 2016 with director Kerry Fukunaga attached. Well, he's not, and now Spielberg is. That's all we know at this point, but it's Stanley Kubrick, Steven Spielberg, I think it's going to be amazing. I think so, too, but the only thing I'm worried about, because I have PTSD from what Netflix did with Orson Welles' last film, Oh so well, yeah. please do not do that. That is a title project of what not to do. Right, so right. we shall see. Well, Southside has been canceled after three seasons Aww. at HBO Max. The comedy series followed Simon and Kareem, best friends who graduated from community college and are ready to take over the freaking world, but are stuck working at a rent-to-own furniture store until they do. Season one of Southside premiered on Comedy Central back in July of 2019 and was later renewed for a second season, which ended up moving to HBO Max along with the other two. Season premiered on November 21st, while season three arrived on December 12th. Uh, 2022. So, I mean, you know, a lot of interesting things. It sounds funny, so it sucks that it's ending. Uh, it does, and I'm uh, kind of upset about that, but hey, it is what it is. It is what it sometimes is. Sometimes everything's got to end eventually, right? This one here, actually some good news for Warner Brothers. It's their game division, and apparently Hogwarts Legacy is making a shit ton of money for their game division, yes. earning $850 million in global sales and moving more than 12 million units in just its first two weeks post-launch on PlayStation 5, Xbox Series XJ, and PC. Now, according to the numbers released this week by the video game company, that marks the biggest global launch ever for the Warner Brothers Discovery-owned brand, with the Harry Potter action role-playing game also setting the Twitch record for single-player games with 1.28 million peak concurrent viewers at its launch. Man, Holy shit. I'm super excited to get this freaking game as you basically just walk around the school, like going to class, like just a normal thing. It's kind of like Sims, but in the Hogwarts Harry Potter world. And man, oh man, I'm super freaking excited. Yeah, about oh, I, I, wait, I, this one, I can't wait for you to, this is, this is how David is apparently going to try to get some of that money back. Makes sense. Makes <laughs> sense. Well, Warner Brothers Discovery has filed a lawsuit that accuses Paramount of uh -oh. reigning of parts of 500 million licensing deals set back in 2019 for the streaming rights to episodes of South Park. Now, the suit filed today in New York Supreme Court asserts that Paramount breached the contract by steering South Park specials and other content to its own uh, Paramount Plus platform. Ooh. Now, the suit alleges that Paramount blatantly intended to prop up Paramount Plus at the expense of Warner slash HBO and that Paramount engaged in multiple and flagrant uh, deplications of constructions uh, of the fact and breaches a whole bunch of things in the contracts. Now, HBO Max set a whopping, or a whopping licensing pact with Paramount for rights to South Park episodes back in October of 2019. As then, parent company AT&T was pairing to launch the HBO Max streaming platform in May of 2020. Mm. Uh, it sounds a little shady to me, and they did it kind of like right on time, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of fucked up. I think, honestly, that Zasloff, and I'm, 
I don't know how I feel about this, but I feel like they might have a case. He's, he's going to win. <laughs> I mean, if Paramount signed a deal with them to give them episodes with a, even if it was when they were still owned by AT and T, yeah, a deal's a deal. And if then if you launched Paramount Plus and took all the episodes for yourself. I feel like you probably are going to lose this lawsuit, Paramount. I feel like uh, Zaslav's going to get a win there. Speaking of Paramount, it's a nice transition. CBS has renewed nine of its series for new seasons. Mm. Procedural dramas NCIS, NCIS Hawaii, and CSI Vegas. Mm. News programs 60 Minutes and 48 Hours. And reality competition series Survivor, which is like, I don't know, a one season 100? I don't know. <laughs> it's been on forever. Literally. The Amazing Race, Tough as Nails, and Lingo. Now, these series join the other recently announced renewals that we told you about at CBS, which include Fire Country, Young Sheldon as the last part of a three-season renewal given to them in 2021, Ghosts, The Neighborhood, Bob Hart's Abishola, So Help Me Todd, The Equalizer, which was their last part of the two-season renewal given to them last year, FBI... FBI International and FBI Most Wanted. So Dick Wolf is safe on CBS, apparently. Right. Uh, I mean, uh, and that's uh, the last part of a two-season renewal given to each of those shows in the franchise back in 2022. Now, additionally, the network gave a series order to The Never Game, a drama starring Justin Hartley and based on the book of the same name. Most notable among the series that CBS has not renewed yet are Blue Bloods, SWAT and East New York, the mm. police procedural starring Amanda uh, Warren as Deputy Inspector Regina Haywood that premiered in its first season of October of last year. As the three current CBS scripted series that are yet to get word on next season. Now, both Blue Bloods and SWAT are in active renewal negotiations with proposed budget cuts among the points that need to be hammered out. Amid overall decline in linear ratings, it's become common practice, if you guys don't know, for broadcast networks to ask for budget reductions on long-running series, which naturally become more expensive as they age because the stars want more and more money every year. It makes sense. Now, this one I'm nervous about, though. East New York is a classic bubble series, as always, and will likely have to wait for CBS Brass to see how the new mid-season entry True Lies performs in the coming weeks and to review the two drama pilots before they make a decision on the police starring drama mm. now it doesn't make sense to me I, even if true lies does well we told you several weeks back that east new york was the second highest rated drama series new drama series behind fire country on all networks so it's apparently doing well so I, i'm not quite sure why cbs is keeping that on the bubble yeah it doesn't really make any sense does it but it doesn't i, I feel like uh, i don't know man I, we'll see what happens but yeah don't it's do it it's a weird. great fucking show don't cancel don't it. Do it don't do it uh mary elizabeth winstead has signed up to star opposite of ewan mcgregor i Ooh. mean who wouldn't in the upcoming <laughs> uh showtime and paramount plus series a gentleman in Moscow, oh. McGregor, uh, McGregor uh, was first reported to be starring back in the show uh, in August of 2022. Production on the limited series is now underway. Per the official logline, the series follows a uh, follows Count Alexander Rostov McGregor, who, in the aftermath of the Russian Revolution, finds that he is a gilded past places hit or. 
Gilded Pass places him on the wrong side of history. Oh. Spared immediately, uh, Im- immediately from execution, he is banished by the Soviet uh, Tremendal in the atomic room in the Obliet Hotel Metropole. Threatened with death if he ever sets foot outside again oh. as the years pass and some of the most tumultuous decades in Russian history unfold outside of the hotel's doors, Rostrov, a reduced circumstances, prove him entry into the much larger world of emotional discovery um (laughs) as he builds a new life within the walls of the hotel he discovers the true value of friendship family and love winstead will star as anna ondova um described as a glamorous independent self-made film actress as the height of her fame she uses her wit and beauty to dazzle count alexander rostrov as she is an enigmatic character who keeps her cards very close to her chest, reluctant to reveal her true self. Anna plays a role off screen as well as on. The Count and Anna's sizzling chemistry is clear from the moment they meet in the Metropole Hotel where he has been banished by Soviet trial. But he, will this love be true? Or will mm. the latest in the long roles of Anna, is she still playing? Uh, this will mark the third on-screen collaboration with Winstead and McGregor, uh, who first worked together when they both starred in season three of Fargo on FX. They then worked together on 2020's DC film, Birds of Prey. They were reportedly married in 2022 and have one freaking child together so there it is well that makes sense why they keep working together oh my goodness all right jumping over to nbc universal universal's gruesome action comedy cocaine bear is expected to start strong at the domestic box office this weekend now cocaine bear hopes to take in about 15 million to 17 million from 3500 north american theaters with a chance that positive buzz could propel initial returns to as high as 20 million now cocaine bear is aiming for second place on the domestic box office charts behind last week's champ and likely this week's champ without doubt and Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Both films are catering to younger male moviegoers. For Cocaine Bear, a debut around the high teens isn't going to establish any box office records, but those early estimates suggest it could be a notch in favor of the nearly extinct mid-budget movies. So that's good. Now, the film did make $2 million last night from previews at 3,000 theaters that began at 5 p.m., so we'll see. $2 million in Thursday night previews. Will it get to 15 or $17 million? Exactly. And, I mean, when was the last time anybody's put out a good comedy? So right? I'm yeah. excited to see how this actually moves forward. We're both going to go see it this weekend, so can't wait to talk about it. Hell yeah. Uh, the beautifully creepy android doll from Megan is seemingly finding her way into a new home. That's oh. right, your home. The underrated, <laughs> the unrated cut of the uh, crazy sci-fi horror horror film will begin streaming exclusively on Peacock starting February 24th, oh. which is today, today of this recording. Directed by Gerard Johnstone and produced by Jason Bloom from, of course, Get Out and Black Klansmen and James Wan from Saw, Insidious, and the Conjuring franchises. Um, the film stars uh, Allison Williams as Gemma Brilliantly Toy Company uh, Rob- 
Robotics, um, who creates a lifelike doll program to with artificial intelligence to be a child's greatest companion. But things take a traumatic freaking turn when Gemma becomes the unprepared caretaker of her newly orphaned niece and brings home the humanoid doll to keep her company. And man, oh man, we're super excited about this because next week we have the editor of the film coming on the show to talk about that process. And yes, that's right. The first ever editor that's been on Inside the Crazy Empire. Hell yes. And did you guys, have you seen the movie yet? Did you like the ending? You might have had something to do with that. Yeah. What am I fuck am I talking about? You're gonna have to listen to the interview to find out. But man, you're not gonna want to miss it. It was an awesome interview. Stay tuned. Reba McIntyre, speaking of awesome, will join the voice as Mega Mentor for season 23. Now, as the season's mega mentor, McIntyre will work with the contestants that have made it through the battle rounds to help them prepare for the knockouts that begin on April 17th. Now, McIntyre joins the A-list lineup of coaches for this season, Chance the Rapper. Kelly Clarkson making the return, Niel Horan, and Blake Shelton for the new season that premieres on March 6th. Now, season 23 is Shelton's final season. He has been a part of the musical competition show from the very beginning, as yep. you guys know, as the only coach who has remained for the entirety of the show's run. Now, having McIntyre on board brings another country superstar into the show's mix. It also marks McIntyre's return to The Voice as she served as a battle advisor to Team Blake during the show's inaugural season all the way back in 2011. Wow. Now, having her back on the series as Shelton coaches his final group of artists and bids farewell to the competition is a fitting full circle. Circle reunion. I hear too that there's something new with the battles this oh, this year. Yeah, they're changing it up and throwing some kinks into it. Well, I'm hoping this is kind of like a passing the torch moment. Maybe Reba will continue being that country voice after Blake leaves. So that would I wouldn't be, mind that. Uh, that'd be tough though, because isn't she? She's still like a main character on Big Sky. That's isn't the she? thing. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It would be cool though. Maybe if she somehow gets written off or dies on Big Sky, she could take Blake's place. That would be really cool. Yeah, who knows? Because I mean, Pedro on The Last of Us, and then The Mandalorian. So that's true. These people are busy as shit. They really are. <laughs> well, heading over to Sony, A Man Called Otto, which is a beautifully heartfelt drama starring Tom Hanks as a cranky widower, has notched an important box office milestone, crossing a hundred million globally. The film's tally stands at a hundred point four million, including sixty one point two million in North America and thirty nine point two million internationally. Now, overseas, the top selling markets are the United. Kingdom, Australia, Mexico, Spain, and Germany. Hmm. Now, in pandemic times, the 100 million benchmark is notable because only a few movies aim at an older audience, such as Bad Lerman's uh, epic biopic, Elvis, Tom Cruise's sequel to Top Gun, Top Gun Maverick, and Brad Pitt's action comedy Bullet Train have managed to bring audiences back to theaters. Now, Sony initially planned to premiere at the, you know, uh, 50, or planned to premiere the 50 million budgeted A Man Called Auto around Christmas, but the studio decided to open the film in limited releases on uh, December 30th before expanding it nationwide on just uh, January 13th. By waiting until the new year, which is usually a slower time at the box office, the movie avoided uh, getting lost in the crush of the holiday releases. So it's a really good movie. It's very heartfelt. I cry like a 
baby at the end. <laughs> so I would definitely recommend to go see it. Oh, for sure. And, uh, you know, it just shows you, though, that, that that's a really good example of the wave of how long you sit at the top of the box office, right? Yeah. Like, back in the day, a Tom Hanks movie would have been guaranteed no matter when Boom, you put it out yeah. there to skyrocket, make tons of money, and everybody would go see it. Now they have to avoid holiday movies to make sure he makes money. Yeah. So you don't stay at the top long, guys. I mean, that's just, it doesn't matter who you are or how many Oscars you got. Exactly. Shrinking's Lukita Maxwell has been cast in They Listen from writer-director Chris White's and what we hear is a top-billed role. Now, in the horror pick, which has a storyline under wraps, the actress plays the daughter of John Cho and Catherine Waterston's characters. Bloomhouse and Sony will present the Depth of Field production. It is slated to open theatrically on August 25th. 2023. There you go, man. There you go. Well, heading over to Lionsgate, Grammy Award-winning artist 2 Chains yeah. and Neo are have signed on to join season three of Star's gritty drama BMF in recurring roles. Oh, cool. They join the impressive guest star roster that has previously included Eminem, Shahira, um, Carisha, Young Miami, Brownlee, and Snoop Dogg. Two Chains will play Stax, an Atlanta-born distributor whose wisdom and stature command respect wherever he goes. Fiercely loyal and determined to provide for his family no matter the cost. Stax lives by the street code and challenges Meech's leadership Uh-oh. style. As Stars describes him... And Neo will play Rodney Greeny Green, a loyal Atlanta player whose main focus is making money. While he oozes the swagger and the entrepreneurial spirit, Greeny has more to him than that lies beneath the surface. The cast comes on the heels of the show's early season three renewal. And I don't see this one going anywhere anytime soon. No, I mean, it's a fantastic show. If you guys haven't checked it out, and it's based real life. It's real life people, guys. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. Uh, jumping over to Amazon slash MGM. I'm excited for this one. Amazon Studios has secured the return of Dave Batista, Chloe Coleman, Kristen Schaal, Ken Jeong, and others for their My Spy sequel. That's right. My Spy The Eternal City. Now, among the new additions to the ensemble... Uh, in the second installment are Anna Ferris, Craig Robinson, and Flula Borg, an action comedy from STX Films that Prime picked up for release amidst theatrical shutdown of COVID mm. pandemic. My Spy told the story of JJ, which of course was played by Dave Batista, a hardened CIA operative who found himself at the mercy of a precocious nine-year-old Sophie, played by Coleman. Now, after being sent undercover to surveil her family, Shao played JJ's tech specialist, Kali Bobby with Zhang, his boss, David. In the sequel from Amazon Studios, a now teenage Sophie convinces JJ to chaperone her school choir trip to Italy, where they both unwittingly end up as pawns in an international terrorist plot targeting CIA chief David Kim and his son, Colin, who also happens to be Sophie's best friend. That's going to be awesome. I loved the film. I thought it was really cute. I thought Batista and her were great together. So Yeah, I love seeing Batista get more work because I champion those wrestlers who can cross over into film and television and make a living at it. I think, you know, they're doing great. So 
I'm happy to see it. Hell yeah. Amazon Studios has picked up the rights to Daring to Live, produced mm. by Devon Franklin's Franklin Entertainment. Previously set up at a Paramount Players, the project is now in development at Amazon Studios. The film is inspired by Cherie Hunter's 2020 memoir, Daring to Live, How the Power of Sisterhood and Taking Risks Can Jumpstart Your Joy. Whoa. It follows Hunter's journey to embracing life anew after a sudden loss of her husband. Thanks to the support of her friend groups, um, Annette Frank, Mia Lewis, and Brenda Jaeg, uh, collectively known as the Dare Divas, uh, <laughs> who encourage her to step outside her comfort zone. Daring to Live is the latest project from Franklin, who produced Flamin' Hot, mm. Eva Longora's um, feature directorial debut, which premieres at South by Southwest Film Festival in March, ahead of its June 9th launch on Hulu. So that's exciting. Yeah, that one, I'm looking forward to that one. Margot Martindale and Chris Dinopatopoulos have been cast in lead roles of the upcoming Amazon series, The Sticky. The show was originally ordered okay. at Amazon back in April of 2020. This could go in all kinds of bad directions. I don't know. As previously reported, the series is inspired... Oh, okay, maple syrup. We're good, we're good! This, the, the series is inspired by the true story of the great Canadian maple syrup heist. The real heist involved the theft of $18 million of Quebec's national maple syrup, which is more than 70% of the global maple syrup supply. Per the official logline for the half-hour comedy series... The Sticky revolves around Ruth Clark, a tough, supremely competent, middle-aged Canadian maple syrup farmer who's had it with being helmed by the polite, bureaucratic conventions native to her country's identity, especially now that the very bureaucracy is threatening to take away everything she loves. Her farm, her comatose husband, and her right to freedom, <laughs> goddammit. With the help of Remy Bouchard, a local blockhead, and Mike Byrne, a low-level mobster, Ruth changes her fate and transforms the future of community with theft of millions of dollars worth of the sticky stuff maple syrup. Okay. <laughs> Very mean, interesting I know You hear sticky stuff, you don't know where that's going, but it's, a, it's okay. It's hey, man, right. it's original. It's original. That's all we can <laughs> ask for. Uh, Netflix, Tyler Perry is set to release his latest movie with oh, Netflix. There you go. With plans to write, direct, and produce Mia Cupola. Um, for the streamer, Kelly Rowland will star in and produce this film, which centers on the criminal defense attorney who, in the hopes of becoming partner, takes on a case of an artist who may or may not have been murdered uh, or may have may not have murdered his girlfriend. Oh. The ensemble cast features Trevante Rhodes, uh, Sean Suga, um, Nick Suga, and... Ron Rico Lee. The new project is set to begin filming this spring. So that's exciting. Yeah, no, that's kind of cool. I like Kelly Rowland. She's going to be awesome. Richard Armitage from the Hobbit trilogy, of course. Michelle Keegan and absolutely fabulous star Joanne Lumley are set to lead the cast of a new Netflix series called Fool Me Once. Now, based on the Harlan Coben novel of the same name and produced by Nicola Schindler's Qua Straight Productions, the eight-part series stars Keegan as Maya Stern, a woman who is struggling to resume her life after her husband, Joe, is brutally murdered. But things take a turn after Maya spots someone on the nanny cam she has installed throughout her home to keep an eye on her young daughter. Someone who is supposed to be 
dead. Oh. Meanwhile, Maya's niece and nephew are also reeling from the murder of their mother several months earlier and set out to find the truth. Could the two tragedies be related? Hmm. Lumley stars as Judith, Joe's protective mother. Also part of the cast are Emmett J. Scanlon as Shane Tessier, Dino Fetcher as Marty McGregor, and Ali and Ava's Adil Akater, who plays Detective Sergeant Sammy Kearse, the lead investigator on Joe's murder, and a man grappling with some secrets of his own. Oh, oh. very interesting. Well, NFL is getting into the NFL. Oh. Or Netflix is getting into the NFL. Uh, NFL doesn't get into itself. No. I mean, I don't know how that would work. I mean, sometimes. Uh, you never know. <laughs> with its latest and most high-profile sports docuseries, Quad. Um, the series will feature ex- uh, exclusive access to Kansas City Chiefs Patrick Mahomes, uh, Minnesota Vikings Kirk Cousins, and Atlanta Falcons Marcus Mariota over the course of the 2022 season. Oh. Now, the series, which will premiere in the summer, will follow the three quarterbacks from the start of the season to the end, following them on and off the field from inside the huddle with teammates inside their homes with their families. Now, the series has been handled ended a one season green light but in success the expectation is there that the new quarterbacks for each season and that the nfl films and omaha productions and 2 p.m productions will be involved and continue moving forward i think that's really cool and it would be awesome too if they went back or created another docuseries where they went back and highlighted other notable quarterbacks i mean you could literally do this with fucking like every nfl team yeah no that's awesome and i hope it does get more seasons and we do see more and like you just said not just current but go back and do old school quarterbacks and like how's life now for them and like all that kind of I mean I think a lot of people would be interested in that yeah uh, let's uh, jump in over to Apple Apple has apparently given a series order to the drama The Last Frontier with Jason Clark Jason Clark is like that everyday actor that people love and they know him they've seen him in all kinds of stuff but couldn't tell you who he was exactly by his name I you know? agree Planet of the Apes and just like so many things and you're, they're like who's that guy I know he's uh, everywhere <laughs> <laughs> He's set to play the lead role, apparently. The series hails from creators John Bokenkamp, who previously created the hit NBC series The Blacklist, and Richard Diovideo, who previously worked with Bokenkamp on the 2013 film The Call, as well as on The Blacklist and The Blacklist Redemption. Now, in the 10-episode series, Clark will star as U.S. Marshal Frank Remnick, the lone marshal in the Barrens of Alaska. Ooh, per the official logline, Frank's jurisdiction is turned upside down when a prison transport plane crashes in the remote wilderness, setting free dozens of violent inmates. Tasked with protecting the town he's vowed to keep safe, he begins to suspect the crash wasn't an accident, but the first step of a well-crafted plan with international political implications. Mm. Shit! I know. I feel like Apple is very solid and very consistent with putting out good projects. Oh, yeah. It's just not a lot of people know about them. Yeah, no, agreed. They need to market that shit better like just but saying. that sounds really good oh for sure man for sure well now it is time for our guest segment yes. oh my goodness max montesi coming on the show to talk about the last of us indie filmmaking and so many other things this guy is freaking awesome yeah i think one of the most interesting things that he talked about that i really enjoyed and i think y'all are gonna really enjoy is the differences between big budget projects and indie and how they get made and and what the sets are like and stuff it was a really interesting conversation it really was man i'm excited for everybody to hear it well here he is max montesi welcome inside the crazy ant farm man how are you 
Hey, thanks for having me. I'm good. Oh, dude, we are so stoked to talk to you. Obviously being a part of probably the biggest show on television right now, so that's freaking awesome. And uh, we're excited to talk to you because you, like us, you're a filmmaker. You're a behind-the-scenes kind of guy. Not only are you in front of the camera, but you're behind it getting a lot done, too. So we're super pumped to talk to you about that. Um, Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but what we like to do at the very beginning is kind of do a little intro for anybody who might not be familiar with you or or how you got started. So let's jump in right there. Uh, Was this something you always kind of knew you wanted to do um or is it something you kind of fell into or, or how'd you get started man sure yeah uh so uh both my parents were uh, in the business um my mom was an actor and uh my dad was a director and uh, an actor as well uh he was a, a television director he's uh, chilean so he came here um he came to edmonton in the 1980s and got a start there uh operating editing you know everything under the sun uh writing and eventually uh one of his features got picked up and he was working uh non-stop since then uh i didn't get to quite take advantage of the of the nepotism in the way i wish i had because um <laughs> he retired in 2005 when i was uh still uh like only 13 years old um and i hadn't started acting yet well i was acting in high school but not uh you know, not auditioning or, or or trying to get in as a child actor or anything like that. Um, but yeah, so I was, you know, doing drama in high school and a lot of improv, did a lot of, a, a lot of improv comedy and stuff. Um, I didn't do the film classes in high school. So I came to, I, I was, I was making stop motion animations at home. There you oh, go. Nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, making like claymations and stuff when I was a kid and, and animating in Adobe Flash. And I thought I was going to be an animator for a long time. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, and then, uh, you know, improv and everything after high school, I got an agent right away and it was slow going for a lot of years. Uh, and uh, and then eventually, you know, was able to uh, start doing this full time around 2019. Nice. And uh, yeah, been able to uh, just just be an actor for the last uh, last however many years, which has been nice. Well, I love that too, yeah. because um, this podcast is meant for the up-and-comers trying to break into the entertainment industry, and something right that on. they can take away from your introduction right there is you're not afraid to try anything, and there's so many different avenues. You know, everybody only thinks about actors and directors, but there's so many different avenues that you can tackle within this entertainment industry that we all know and love. So yeah, for sure. what what would you say is your favorite? Because I, I kind of think about it like uh, Jonah Hill, you know, because he used acting to try to get behind the camera and to start right. his directing and everything. So would that be the same for you or what is your favorite? Uh, yeah, um, I, I had I was selling some uh, some bits of rigging last night to a to a, a buddy who's a second AC. She came by and I was selling like uh, some like rail blocks and Hell some yeah. 15 millimeter rods and stuff uh, to her. And she was asking me the same question. She said, like, if I wanted to uh, DP and uh, I just want to do everything. Yeah, I want to do everything. I want the acting to pay for um, uh, me making my movies. And I wanted to just feedback <laughs> back and forth. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. What, what, what is your guys? What is your guys background? I actually don't know. 
Well, so early on, like I started off in film uh, in college, way back in college, and uh, okay. in front of the camera doing little little cameo type stuff and, and things like that. And then uh, life hit and I had a baby. <laughs> it's like that in between, uh-oh, need a real job kind of a thing to pay the bills. Um, transitioned into television news, of all things, uh, broadcasting okay. career. And then uh, that's where we met. And then coming out of that, back into film. So, uh, and like yourself, you know, I was one of those guys that when I was in front of the camera, I was always paying attention to what was behind, right? Oh, I want, can I look through that? Why are you using this lens? Why is the light here? What do we do? You know, and I wanted to kind of- Annoying the DP on set. (laughs) Oh, Whenever I'm there, I'm just apologizing to the DP because I'm just like, (laughs) like, why is that there? What are you doing with that? Is that Phil? Is that key? What is that? Exactly. And so the goal (laughs) I knew eventually was always to direct. And I'm like, how can I possibly direct if I don't have a clue what all these people are doing or why? why they're doing it or how it works. And so I just went along methodically, like I'll never be the best at this, the best at this, but I want to have at least the knowledge of knowing what it's supposed to be doing when I'm calling the shots. Right. So, and that's how I got started and kind of got into it. Yeah. I mean, for me, I was also doing stage performances as well. Uh, in high school, I was Rolf in The Sound of Music, and boy, oh boy, that kind of just nice. freaking <laughs> took my uh, my confidence and shit it, uh, shot it through the roof, um, but I was really excited about that, and I was always writing short stories all throughout uh, middle school, high school. I would always try to, you know, just tell a story in the sense to where it was relatable to people, so the writing yeah. aspect is definitely one that I favor more than anything else, but then... Like him, like I said, or like he said, we started working together at a a news station. And then that's why I fell in love with my camera and uh, everything like that. So that's kind of how, yeah, how it all started. But yeah, man, it was a lot of fun. I love, you know, getting to learn everything. Like I started from square one with uh, Adobe Premiere. And now I feel like, I mean, we edit the podcast together. Like you said, we're filmmakers. So we do like rough drafts of our films as well so that we can send to our editors. Like, here's the proof of concept. Here's what we're looking for. Like, we want this yeah. shot to do that. So all the have good you transitioned things. to Resolve yet? Are oh, you on Resolve? Fuck, yet? man, I have not even attempted. <laughs> I switched. I was editing a, uh, I was editing a, a, a web series for a YouTube channel last year. Yeah. When was that? August 2021. Mm. And uh, I was like, okay, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I tried a million times to switch from Premiere to Resolve. Right. And that was the first time I switched. And uh, I, as long as you get your hotkeys transferred yeah. over. As long as you like, because you know, like, cut on Premiere is called like slice and resolve right. or something like that. So yeah. you got to find the exact. But once you do that, man, you'll never look back. Oh, oh. oh I mean, uh, well, they... now now we have to exactly. Now we got to try new shit. <laughs> you know, I, I'm glad you kind of we got into that part of the conversation and everything though, because you know, and I love when we talk to actors who understand behind the camera, right? Especially sure. editing. Editing can make or break. A television show or a film yeah. like with you know it could be the best script and the best performances and the editor just chops it up it's an absolute disaster or vice sure. versa they can make yeah. something really bad look really great if they know totally. what they're doing so totally. I, I always love when people understand that aspect of it and how important it is to a project you know yeah yeah i think um w- like whenever i'm uh, uh, you know um not on set but auditioning for something i'm thinking what is what is the edit of this? Because that right. helps you with the beats. Because exactly. if you're already acting the edit, 
right? Like you go, okay, I know that on this line, they want me, they, you know, they're imagining a pause and then you hold that and then that's the beat and then they cut to the next scene, right? Um, not that that entirely guides your performance, but if you can have an idea of that in your head, you know, that's Without gonna help you out so much, right? Oh, exactly. <laughs> I find myself, cause you know, we uh, we actually made our directorial debut. Uh, we premiered it in April. And um, I found myself while we were on set, all right, I wanna cut it here and then pick back <laughs> up here. Like just while I'm going through the onset process, I can see where we're making the cuts and making the transitions and everything. So it's that type of aspect that I think is very helpful for people who are on set and especially people, indie filmmakers who wear multiple yeah. different hats. Um, yeah. I think it's very important. So let's talk yeah, about totally. that though, because now sure. you have, you have all that experience behind the camera, right? And you've done smaller projects and indie stuff and your own stuff. And then yet, you've been on a part of something as large as the last yeah. of us, right? And all that kind of yeah. talk a little bit about the differences of what you like and don't like about the differences in the scale sure. of a project like that. Sure. Uh, the main difference is, uh, uh, having help right <laughs> I mean, yeah. is like, you mean you is, don't wear 15 uh, hats wait a minute <laughs> it, that's exactly right like uh i'm sure we've all done it where you're you're the dp the director the gaffer oh sure yep the grip the best boy in your everything right and you're probably doing audio as well um <laughs> the main thing i think the 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 main thing I was like, uh, like I, I showed up for my first day there and I was like, okay, I'm acting with Pedro Pascal. We already uh, yeah. did blocking. I met him. He's a super nice guy. Um, just uh, super chill and down to earth. And um, the first scene we shot is, is that piece where you see him in the crowd and he looks to me and I'm leaning against the thing. Yeah. Right. That was, that was the very, that was the, that was the very first thing that, that we shot with him. So like not any dialogue yet. And we didn't get to that scene where me and him are in the alley until, um, after he killed me, we shot the death first. Right. Uh, but anyway, um, the main thing I was like, oh, did we? I can't remember anymore. <laughs> but the, the main thing I was like, what's going to be the difference? What's going to be the difference here? Mm -hmm. And it was kind of nothing. It was like the main thing is that, um, and, and this, I guess this is the big difference, is they do two pages a day. Mm. You know? Right. And that's why it's good. Because... Right if you write the best script in the world and you go, okay, we're going to shoot this in 18 days. No one can do good work. In that exactly. Time. No one, no one can do good work. Do it shooting nine pages a day. Right. Right. Um, it take, it's really, really, really hard. Um, not, not the crew, not the actors, not the director. Um, and then, and then it comes down to the thing like, Hey, you're going to save everything in the edit. Um, but when you're doing two pages a day and you just, okay, all we're doing is just, I'm talking to Pedro Pascal in an alleyway for the next six hours and then they'll do, uh, you know, some other scene with somebody else. Right. That's all you have to worry about. Um, and it's the time. It's just having the time and you get, uh, a bazillion takes and, and I know that there's some kind of stigma around a lot of actors not wanting takes. And maybe that comes from the TV world where people are used to doing uh, nine pages a day. But for me, I want as many takes as I can get. And, you know, in theater, you get three weeks of rehearsal. And right. in TV and film, you well, maybe in film, but you get some. But in TV, you get you don't get any rehearsal. It's you show up, you block it. You, you get, the director says, OK, let's say the words. And then 
And then they go, let's film the rehearsal. <laughs> <laughs> that was honestly go. the biggest question I had coming into this. Like when <clears throat> when I got the response saying that you were confirmed to come on the show, I'm like, man, I cannot wait to ask him what it's like to be punched in the face by Pedro Pascal. I mean, <laughs> yeah, what, yeah. What, what was that like? You got killed by the Mandalorian. I know. Yeah. Cool guy to get killed by. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was really cool. I mean, the only part that I didn't do or that neither of us did was the tackle. So yeah. the only, the only part that isn't us is the actual shot of us, whatever, traveling through the air. Right. Uh, and then on the ground, it's back to us again. Uh, they filmed that with both the, both the, uh, both the stunties. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I, I mean, I can't, I, I think they used us. Um, and, uh, I'm amazed at how how um like it looks it's so it's so brutal and so visceral and that comes down to just the 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 you know the good filmmaking For sure. uh, where it's it's mostly on him and you and you you're just feeling oh, his yeah. performance yeah. what you want to feel anyway um but uh yeah I was I was on the ground he was he was on top of me and I'm just doing I'm just doing one of these <laughs> while my face is covered in in makeup um and uh and he's just going for it that's awesome. It was, it was good. It was a good death. I, I thought they were gonna. They three D scanned me. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they three D scanned um, all the cast. I think mm-hmm. uh, just so they had a three D double of anyone to put anywhere for whatever reason. I guess just to save their asses for continuity or something. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but when they three D scanned me, and the way Craig uh, Mason described it on the day, I thought they were gonna like fully like mash me and like really uh, you yeah know, <laughs> you know yeah, turn me buddy. to a pumpkin. Um, but yeah, it was a good death. I mean, y- y- you know, yeah, w- without <laughs> doubt. And <laughs> gotta um, get killed by exactly. So what? What I really like though that that you said about all that, and even taking the time for the choreography and everything with the fight scene and all that kind of stuff, I love that because I feel like that's one of the advantages now of the streaming, right? As opposed to just before network television, where like you said, we're shooting nine pages a day and it's a machine and you're knocking it out and you don't have time, and now. The streaming, while you're still television, it's very yeah. much more that film format where you can totally. take your time and get more shots and kind of a so you know there's advantages to that and 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 I love the way that you describe that because I think a lot of people are still in that mindset of streaming is television so it must be go 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 and sure. but you can just tell on certain projects that this is this has got the quality of a feature film and, and it's yeah. on the small screen. It's amazing. And like you said, even down to the details of fight scenes and stuff, it's incredible yeah. what they're able to do now with a little bit of extra time. Right. A hundred percent. I, I, yeah, I really think that the, the, I mean, it's the most uh, valuable commodity on set, right? That's oh, the yeah. one thing you, it's the one thing you're not allowed to have, you know, they've got, the producer and the production manager there is going like, oh, 12 hours, hard out, goodbye. Oh, yeah. Right. So sometimes right. sometimes you just don't get things, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is why um, <clears throat> I think it's really, really impossible to like to compare one project to another, right? You go like, oh, this is good and this is, oh, like, or <clears throat> like colloquially, we all just say like, oh, such and such show or movie is better than such and such right. show, right? right? right. Um, but one might have had a month per episode or they filmed the movie in three months and the other one was done in 18 days. Right. How can you, you know, that's exactly right. Yeah. It's just a different, uh, different way of doing things. 
Oh, for sure. And I mean, with this being like we were talking about at the very beginning, like the new, the new hottest thing, the newest hottest IP. Um, we, I've been seeing a lot of stuff on Twitter, which I mean, you know, can be good and bad. But it's been sure. a lot of comparisons of you know The Last of Us and The Walking Dead in the sense <clears> of you know obviously the same concept. But totally. I think it's so you know. They're different in the sense of, you know, the the group unit, the family unit dynamic, and then the 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 duo, you know. I feel yeah. like what Pedro and Bella have, obviously working together on uh, Game of Thrones in the past, but ha- having what they have, I feel like, is very, it's intimate, you know. I feel like it's more one-on-one time in the sense of getting to know the characters better because... I feel like in The Walking Dead, and that was huge for its time, um, mm. you know, there was so many different pieces that you had to try to remember, and sometimes you couldn't remember that guy's name and different things like that. But I feel like with this, sure. it's really special because you do get that that almost instant connection because we all have a relative like Pedro's brother in the show who is kind of like a fucking – he's a little out there, and we <laughs> kind of have to keep our eye on him and everything like that. Or we have you know the daughter or the sibling that you're like, oh, she's so sweet. She's so dear that we have to protect. So I think that's something great about this show is I feel like a lot of people have that connectability um, yeah. with this show. So I think that's very special. And I, what a great project to be a part of, right? And I mean I can only imagine what, yeah. uh, what the attention has been like for you recently. It, I mean, it's great. I mean, uh, it, it's really cool to be part of something that feels like, if, maybe just because I'm, I'm part of it, but it feels like the biggest thing in the world. I mean, everyone is, For sure. you know, um, watching and talking about it. I'm at the community center working out and I look up and I see myself getting killed in, in, <laughs> yeah. in, in, the, in, the, in the spot. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know. Um, yeah, it was an amazing thing to be part of. And I, I think on like when it comes to like, because The Walking Dead, I mean, that's obviously the comparison that we that we all have in our heads. Yeah. Um, it is so different, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, down from the, the, the filmmaking to the production design, mm-hmm. everything. And it's so hard to put your finger on exactly what it is. Like maybe you go like, okay, is it because, you know, The Walking Dead is trying to pay homage to the source material being a comic, right. whereas, uh, you know, The Last of Us was basically already a film. Mm-hmm. Right, basically. Right. Like all the cuts, I think all the cutscenes together is like over two hours, right? Yeah. That's right. Um, it's like they have a movie in there. And, and um, so the tone was already set out, but it's, yeah, really hard. I mean, without without making comparisons, I just think The Last of Us, they really, really nailed it. Oh, um, without doubt. Without it's special. Because, you know, the uh, th- that genre, the post-apocalyptic zombie genre is so is so played out in a way right like we've oh, all absolutely. seen it a million million times yeah so to keep everybody's interest um is a pretty is a a pretty big accomplishment well and then that so that plays into because i had heard a report and i'm just curious if this is true or not um because of the comparisons to the walking dead and because of the has this been played out before that no one was allowed to say the word zombie is that correct? Is like they just wanted to stay completely away right. from zombie, correct? I, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, I might be making this up, but I feel like I did hear, hear that on set now yeah. that you're saying it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I, it yeah. makes sense, right? Call them a totally. vegetable, whatever. Call them, <laughs> just don't call them zombies, you know? So. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, so, now, like you said, you know, you're using the acting to make your projects and everything like that. So, 
being on a set like that and being involved in, in, in this kind of a, a special thing, what are you taking away from that to move forward with like maybe one of your projects or something? Do you find that each time you do one of these type of projects, you know, because you've been on some stuff, Supernatural and, and these big things, do hmm. you find that you take little bits from each thing that you've been in and say, what can I incorporate? What can I learn to do when I'm doing this behind the camera? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah 100%. Especially what the DP does. Um uh yeah i'm definitely look trying to look at setups and and figure out what they're doing um and try to like remember okay there are you know uh two people talking in a room how do they key this mm. how can i copy that um you know seeing them do things like uh okay they just bring in a they just bring in a titan tube for phil okay like okay like that's something that is done you know right um because in in your in your head if you're you know you don't call yourself a cinematographer you go like is this okay to do is this like if if i bring on someone who is like a really experienced gaffer um because i know i can make things look good on my own right right but i don't know if i'm doing the you know technically correct way of doing it so seeing what they do on set and going like okay yeah this isn't quote unquote breaking the rules to just bring in this unit or do things this way or you know let the shadows go dark um definitely yeah definitely always looking at stuff like that do you see yourself then as a director that will be the dp do you want to hold the camera are you that guy or are you okay with let me hire a cinematographer let me hire a dp that so, knows? yeah yeah so I, I recently came to this conclusion on my own uh <laughs> i i i because because um as the guy with all the gear right people come to you to to shoot their stuff right and then you right. go like okay you know you don't have money so i'm gonna I'm I'm going to be basically donating all my gear. I need to get something out of it. For sure. At least I can put can I put my name on it as uh, you know, we'll we'll co-direct it and I'll get another director credit, right? Um but uh the conclusion I've come to recently is that unless I've written it, I don't I I, I don't think I want to direct. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Um you know, like whatever, music videos and stuff which I do a lot of. Yeah. Uh totally. Um cuz you know, it's not really a script. Uh, but unless, yeah, unless I'm, unless I'm, uh, the writer, you know, I'm just not super invested. I'm invested in the story, but not in the same way. Right. Right. Uh, right. And so, and, and, uh, I think every writer should direct and I think every director should write Mm. and, and everyone should edit, you know, an actor should give it a shot too. everyone, every single person is better for trying out as much as, as, as they can. Right. Right. Because it's a collaborative, it's a collaborative art form and that's what makes it, that's what makes it so good. Like you were saying earlier, right. You can save something in the edit. You can ruin something in the edit. You can change a scene by adding a, uh, by adding a score to it. You can, you know, like the performance isn't done until the editor has their say. Right. That's right. Um, like that, I mean, anyway, yeah, that's, that's what makes it, that's what makes it so great is the collaboration. So everyone should do as much as they can. For yeah. Sure. I mean, I completely agree with you because our first film that we shot, it was written by someone else. He gave us complete control, creative liberties, right. you know, able to change up characters, their gender, everything like that dialogue. Um, but right now we are actually <laughs> um, doing chemistry reads for a television pilot that we wrote ourselves and do okay. have that type of, you know, that type of attachment in the sense of, you know, you're seeing the characters that you created 
brought to life and someone else is reading the dialogue there's something just so special about that that just like it almost gives me butterflies it brings me back to when i was a kid and i would get butterflies about things that would really excite me so i mean it's just different things like that you know we yeah well go ahead what 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 was that like to do to do that to do that read through oh my goodness Uh, man literally because (laughs) we because you know we do chemistry reads with two different actors and it's normally over zoom so we um we make sure to cut our mic cut the camera but while we're watching it we're just like smiling so big like it's just yeah. a sense of holy shit like that's exactly what we were trying to portray in the script with the line so i mean it's a really special thing and i mean with the we've almost interviewed about 200 guests on our podcast and right. all of them say create your own content and right. yeah. I, we yeah. we preach that wholeheartedly because yeah it's such a special thing and it gives you a different type of love for the craft. And and the yeah. one thing that's most exciting for, for me is it, it's awesome to see your character come to life, right? That came out of my head. Now it is three-dimensional. It's real. It's there. But yeah. when the actor gets the character, right? They're not right. just giving a great performance, but that's actually the person that you created. It's not just a great performance yeah. of the character. It sure. is the character. And so when yeah. we get those yeah. in the audition, we're like, holy, sh- that is Rachel. That is who I saw. That is who yeah. I did. It's an amazing feeling. It, and don't get yeah. me wrong. It's really great to direct and bring someone else's character to life and, and give them the vision that they were hoping for. But when it's yeah. yours, like Logan said, it's just a whole different ball game, man. Totally. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I love that you get it. Yeah. I, I just, I love it, man. I, I, I love that you're, you're that guy. Cause this is what oh, cool. it's all Thank about. You. Yeah. Man. I mean, yeah. Hey, likewise, you know, I mean, it, that's, what's so special about, um, about working in film. I, I find the more people I talk to, the more people I find, like, thankfully, uh, with this day and age that, you know, a- anyone can go and buy a camera, which has its good, in, uh, which has its, its <laughs> oh, for pros sure. and cons. <laughs> That's yeah. right. But uh, it, it, it's making people who do it, right? Right, um, right. Because it's it's oversaturated the market, mm-hmm. so now you have to. Right. It's like, if you want to make it, you have to make your own stuff. Yeah. Because right. everyone's making their own stuff. That's right. Completely That's right. agree. Yeah. Completely agree. And man, I got to say, when when I first saw you pop on screen in that first episode, I was like, is that Jared Leto? You look like Jared Leto. Do you get that? Someone else said that recently. I've never gotten that before, and then and now I've gotten it twice in like the last uh, in the last week. That's Y'all funny. could really be twins. I'm just saying. It, it's so freaking funny. Like it, you're it probably be, in the new Blade Runner. Be, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. It used to be uh, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Robert Pattinson. Which, I you can know, see th- that. Th- those, those are all fine. I'm happy with all three. They, you know, those yeah. are some good-looking guys. <laughs> well, let's throw all yeah, just all four of you guys in a film together. We'll get busy writing. Uh, we'll write it. Perfect. It'll be fantastic, and you know, we'll make Perfect. that work. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure they would love to have me. Uh, oh, I, yeah, yeah. For you know, sure, you guys can pummel sure. each other. You know, just it'll yeah. be fantastic. It'll be it'll be great. Well, with you being so intelligent about you know. The the industry and how things move kind of like a chessboard with the pandemic. This is our dog peanut, by the way, <laughs> hey, buddy. Yeah. Who uh, likes to make appearances yeah. right. <laughs> um, with, with it being kind of like a chessboard and in the sense of, you know, the television side is very oversaturated right now when the theater side is definitely trying to balance out and trying to get back to yeah. what it once was. Do you feel like, you know, that too much attention is on TV shows and streaming right now? Or do you feel like it's still an asset, especially for indie filmmakers who can get their projects seen? Or how do you feel about that? 
Um, I think it is. Uh, I mean, obviously, theaters having a hard, hard go after COVID, of course. Yeah, for sure. Um, venues are extremely expensive. Ven- I mean, venues have always been extremely expensive. Um, it's hard to get people to come out to, to watch a show. Yeah. You know, you basically need to sell out every night mm-hmm. just to break even. Right. right. On a on a on a small venue. Mm-hmm. The good thing about it being oversaturated with television is that especially especially for actors, is is that you kind of go, okay, you know what, there's enough to go around for everyone. Um and you know, uh, when you look at you know, my friends X, Y, and Z are all series regulars on right. blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. And you go, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm going to get mine because there's too many shows. Right. There's Facts. too many shows. Uh, and there's too many streaming services. And on one hand, it makes you sad and you go, oh, God, it's just a product. Um, and you have to put up with that from a from an actor standpoint, from mm-hmm. a creator standpoint, you know, morally ethically artistically right uh do i want to be in an industry that is you know it's i mean that's why it comes back to that's why these things are done in 18 days is because um i won't say all but on a lot of projects at a certain level the people who are funding it don't care Mm. um uh they just care if it gets their money back plus one right that's right if it was made for a million and they make a million and one dollars then they'll make a then they'll make another one mm-hmm. um which you go like okay do i want to be on a project like that well i don't want to go back to making coffee right like you know so the oversaturation is a blessing and a curse and uh how it how it um how it will uh help or um you know, hinder theater i think is maybe that i mean i think it's always been the thing that our actors go back to mm. to you know get their kicks right for um, sure because so rarely do you get to be on a uh on a on a, on a show mm-hmm. where you go ah this is really special yeah. um y- you don't hate like it's not like it's not like it's either special or you hate it but um but you know you're often on something where, where, you know, the the crew isn't happy, and the the cast is jaded, and and you go, what am I, what am I doing here? Is this right. really the business I want to be in? Right. Um, but then you get the paycheck, and you're like, ah, like yeah. damn it, <laughs> double-edged yeah. sword. Well, and that's that's you know that's the sincerest hope, right? Because I I do feel like sometimes it becomes just a paycheck. And, yeah. and the sincerest hope is, and cause like, I, you know, we're those guys, I, I'm, I, I'm for sure that guy that I will still go and sit in a theater where I am literally the only person in there watching a sure. film that's going to show twice and only three days. And then it's being bumped for the tent pole. Right. But I yeah. want to yeah. see that film. I still want to watch. And I'm hoping that sure. the benefit of the oversaturation and these paychecks is that it allows you to afford to 
still make the art, still be passionate about what you do. And that is the sincerest hope is that we don't lose that, right? Because there's a place for that one movie for one day in a theater, you know, before it gets replayed. And and we need to not lose that. I'm very curious, too, because something else that we've been talking about a lot, and we actually built a whole new podcast about it, um, (laughs) was mental health. And working in the entertainment industry, it can take a strain on you, you know, because you do get like 99 no's and that one yes. So how do you keep yourself motivated and still ready to go on a daily basis when you do get those 99 no's? Sure, yeah. Um, You know, I I think eventually with acting um because the nose are very uh i guess they're different in every in every part of whatever department you're in right um i have a gmail folder i have every audition i've ever been to since 2011 oh shit wow Uh, yeah yeah i've been to over 400 auditions in the last 13 years yeah uh, and I've got like I don't know twenty two credits or twenty three credits, right? Yeah. So if it was a job interview, you know, <laughs> if you go, if you turn to a job interview, it's like, oh man, I've been to four hundred interviews. I think they're gonna finally say yes. Any sane person would go like, no, they're not gonna say yes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, no, yeah. you've been to four hundred interviews. It's over. It's 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 over. Stop it. Right. Right. Uh, or if it was a boxing record someone would tell you to stop right right mm-hmm. right it's like 400 losses and 22 wins you're not good at this you have to stop <laughs> right um but um the um i mean they'd all be split decision losses <laughs> oh, for sure yeah for sure, sure you know where you where you almost get it but you don't um but uh the nose get easier um you eventually uh, I, you, every, every actor who is, uh, at a certain level, um, my peers, they, they don't, they, you, you literally don't remember the auditions after you do them. Mm-hmm. Like not, not like a hyperbole. You just like, right. you go, what, what, like you do it and you, and you forget about it. Rarely you go like, I, I, I definitely got that. I definitely got that. And you, mm-hmm. and you check in on it and I do that. And, uh, and, but most of them, most of them you forget about because I think you get to a point where um, you know you know whether you would cast yourself or not, right? right. You go like, right. I'll read for it. I'll read for it. And if I get it, hey, awesome. But, you know, you go on the, you look at it and you go, especially with TV, right? You go, how many times have I seen this scene? Because most TV is written from a playbook of other television. Absolutely. Right? Unless it's good. And then it's, and then it's new and it's original, but you look at the scene, you go, okay, I've seen this doctor and a million episodes of X, Y, and Z show. Mm. So I know that, you know, I, I know I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna play this guy. And then right. eventually after you play your, you play your 15th drug addict or your 15th <laughs> rapist or whatever it is, you know, you go, okay, I'm, I'm probably going to get this one because I got the other guys. Right, um, right. So the nose get easier because you 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 just kind of you just kind of do it to do it. Um, at least for me, at least for at least for me, I, I I think it's different maybe as as a writer and a director because there's so much more pounding the pavement mm, you have to do. Right. Once once you have an agent and the auditions come your way, um, if you're not making your own content, mm-hmm. 
I hate that word content, but if you're not making your own stuff, yeah, you're not making your own stuff, uh, then as an actor, it's it's really easy to just let the stuff come to you, and if you get it, you get it. But right. as a director, writer, uh, whatever else you want to do, you got to pound the pavement a lot more, and I think the nose would be harder. Well, yeah. I like What's that. The, so, yeah, I like yeah, yeah. I know I like that you said because you know with the 400 and the 22 because um we, when we spoke to uh, a, a good friend of ours who Walking Dead it's ironic but uh Jason Warner Smith he said he tries to tell his cuz he does a, a, a acting class and an acting school for young okay. actors and he tries to tell them you know it feels like it's bad right you only got 22 out of 400 and well he says but here's the thing the job is auditioning the yes. getting the gig is yeah. just the perk, right? And he says, 100%. and he 100%. says to to get people pumped up about how they're doing. He said, take the money that you've made from the twenty two, and divide yeah. the four hundred by that, and you'll see what yeah. you're getting paid. And you're actually yeah. doing pretty good for those four hundred, uh, right? Because you made I, I, this I, much I, money. Totally. Totally and so agree. I think oh, if totally you look agree. at it that way, right, and think of it more of selection than rejection and realize yes. that the ones you are getting are paying for the ones you're not, you're going to be okay, yeah. right? 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. The job is definitely auditioning because um, back when auditions were in the room, um, that was the only time I ever felt any nerves. Even when mm. I got my very, very first job, mm. I never had any nerves. I mean, I had been on set with my dad when I was like a kid, but right. I hadn't been on set in, in like a years um there's so much uh alienating lingo that you don't know what is right yeah. you go like second team and you go like what's second team <laughs> and you have no one to ask what second team is <laughs> and then like you're standing there and the stand-in comes and stand stands beside you and they're giving you weird looks and then like the operator tells you you can go because no one told you what second team was right right, right. Uh, <laughs> but even with all that shit um like yeah you know the audition was the only part that was nerve wracking because it's not yours yet. And then you got it and it's yours and you just, you just show up and you do it. Um, yeah, hundred percent. I totally agree with that. The, the, that. the job is, the job is auditioning. For sure. And what were you going to ask before, um, we spoke? Oh, um, you were talking about, uh, nope, I lost it. <laughs> we tried, we tried. Well, yeah. listen, man, thank you so much for coming on the show and getting a little crazy with hey. us and all yeah, of the absolutely. good stuff. Um, you know, it's all about social media now. So where can people find you and follow you? Sure. Uh, yeah, I'm only on Instagram, uh, Max Montesi. Fantastic. M-O-N-T-E-S-I. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. Cool beans, man. Well, listen, thank you so much for, like I said, coming on the show and getting crazy and passing on your knowledge. Cause that yeah. is so freaking important. But, uh, take care and, uh, we'll be talking to you soon, brother. Awesome. Thanks for having me guys. All, All right, right, man. Have a good one. Man. Oh man. It's always nice and refreshing to hear people who are like-minded talk about the process of film and television yeah a anytime they share the passion mm, that yeah. they get it why are we doing this what are we in it for yeah. right anytime they that they share that it's always an interesting conversation oh, yeah. and i love that he's so inquisitive and and i the best advice i think that anybody listening to this can take from it is ask questions yeah once you're behind that camera ask why this why this why this because that is how you're going to learn and progress yourself in your career if this is what you want to do by asking questions for sure man for sure well listen thank you so much max for coming on the show all right now it is time for the top five segment yes man, oh man this one was very interesting so yeah. stick with us and this is a good list i thought i thought so too yeah. um man oh man it is top five favorite film 
and or TV show spinoffs. Mm. So, I mean, I would, I, I, it's it's interesting. Yeah, it's no, without doubt. Without um, doubt. My number five goes to the spinoff from Boy Meets World, and I went to Girl Meets World. Man, oh man. This one, I wasn't even like really hardcore into it, but my siblings were that age, and they were watching it. And I would sit down, watch it with them, you know, just to have some bonding time, sit around, hang out. I would cry literally every episode. This thing was so heartfelt and like touched my soul. And I mean, of course, bringing back the original characters from the flagship, I thought was very special. And just the dynamic of everybody. This show is highly underrated. So, I mean, if you haven't checked it out, check out Girl Meets World, even though, I mean, some people have gone a little crazy since then in their real lives, but the show is really good. (laughs) So check out Girl Meets World. Uh, I mean, anybody that brings back Mr. Feeney, come on. on. I mean, you can't miss that show. Uh, My number five... Duh! Uh, it's dun dun. Law and Order SVU, the spinoff that, that probably, in all likelihood, is even more popular than the parent show that it spun off from. It I may mean, be the biggest spinoff of all time. Of all time, yeah. It is a phenomenal show. It just keeps going and going and going. And uh, you know, we were blessed to have uh, the the amazing Rollins herself on as as our guest, and and it just like. It's an amazing show. I have long been a fan of the original franchise and this franchise and the Criminal Intent and all of them, but I could not not have this on my list. Oh, I of mean, course. Come on. Now. I mean, how could we not? Yeah, because Kelly Giddish, she was so uh, amazing. freaking amazing. Like, I remember when she first came on our radar because, as you all know, our forever guest, Rebecca Kennedy, she starred on an episode of SVU and their dynamic in that episode. I was like, holy shit. She is amazing talking about Kelly Giddish. So yeah. I was we were just so thrilled and fortunate to have her on our show. Go back and listen to that interview. It's definitely for, worth the listen. And then go back and watch every fucking season of Law and Order, <laughs> Law and Order SVU, Law and Order Organized Crime, Law and Order Criminal Attend. Just anything that has Law and Order in front of it, go fucking watch. We'll see you in fifty years, <laughs> okay? Right. You'll not watch anything else. Dun, dun. Uh number four for me goes to one that's on currently right now, and I think they're doing a very very good job with it and i mean i will say hillary duff was my childhood crush um (laughs) how i met your mother i think they're doing so good at you know throwing little easter eggs here and there from the original how i met your father but then also creating it as its own you know with the interracial relationships and the people from other countries and coming into that aspect of it i think it's a very special show to be able to show to a new audience because not a lot of people were watching it in the 2010s range so i'm or not a lot of people young in their early 20s were watching it in the 2010s range that they can go back and watch it now but yes i definitely recommend how i met your father oh yeah a, a brilliant show it captures all of the magic of the original and i think is doing a splendid job speaking of a show that was fucking awesome and another hugely successful spinoff that equaled the success of the hugely successful show it was spun off of from i'm talking about frazier which of course was spun off of cheers which was a massive hit frazier went on to become a massive hit of its own and guess what guys it's coming back. What's better than a spinoff that's coming back? I mean, that's going to be fantastic. I loved this fucking show. I always loved the Frasier character, which was brilliant. 
him and Lilith were some of the best things on Cheers by all doubt. And so when he got his own show and they moved him and it was just fucking brilliant. It's one of those shows where if you ever see it on, you can't help but watch it you like stop and watch it because it's so fucking good um and i'm thrilled that kelsey Grammer is bringing the character back i know that has been long in development and it took a lot of years to get it finally going but it is gonna be i'm just so excited because it's a fucking brilliant character and it's a it was definitely a great decision to make the spinoff uh from cheers which wasn't even the plan no they wanted Kelsey Grammer to have his own show, and they pitched something else, and he was all in, and he loved it and everything, and they said, mm, you know what, really, we maybe just want to do a Frasier spinoff from Cheers, and he's yeah. like, really, that character's not done? I thought we were done with that character, but the network was right, obviously, and they put him in the role, and they put him on the spinoff, and it was amazing, and the rest is history, so yeah, Frasier, my number four. For sure, man, for sure. My number three goes to a film that we honestly haven't heard much about, like if it's going to turn into a trilogy, if they're going to incorporate it into this new film they got coming out, but I'm talking about Bumblebee. Yeah. I loved this one because it gave the characters such a new light. I mean, I know they highlighted him in the first couple with uh, Shia LaBeouf and uh, Megan Fox, but I mean, to have a solely dedicated film to just him, a character that's so known and so well-beloved, he's kind of, he's not on the same level as Megan Mickey Mouse, but he's kind of has that same type of quality, I guess you could say, where just everybody recognizes him and knows his name. But it was a great film, and nobody's really said anything about it yet, or if these two films are connected, or anything like that, but I think, you know, they're trying to figure out what to do with this Transformers franchise that's exactly i think you described it perfectly there's been hints that they want it all to be connected yeah. somehow but i think they're trying to figure out how yeah and and like but i think it needs to be because bumblebee clearly at least in my version when i was watching it it did connect to the original shia labeouf movies it kind of set up going into those so where does that fall with the mark Wahlberg ones and the new beast i don't know like i said I, I think you're right i think they're trying to figure it out but it was a really fantastic film with john cena and Haley steinfeld and it's just a, an incredible cast that i you're right it's not getting enough love and i think it needs more love Agreed. so check that out my number three does this count it's kind of like eh. it's a spin-off of a spin-off. <laughs> Wait a minute. Does that does that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ah, so obviously Star Trek the Next Generation massively popular. Lasted 3 times longer than the original show it was spun off, Star Trek. Hugely successful, launched a, a whole series of spin-off Star Trek movies based on the spin-off series. Um, Star Trek The Next Generation, of course. And so my number three is a spinoff of Star Trek The Next Generation, Picard. Mm. Star Trek Picard. I fucking love this show. They've done a brilliant job of staying away from The Next Generation, but then also bringing in The Next Generation. And then this season is basically a love story to the next generation. All of the original cast from that show are back to finish off this series with Picard. Um, 
I, I, I watched the first episode and I was like, holy shit. I lo- I'm a huge fan of the series and I hate that this is going to be the final year of it, but I really think this is going to be the best season of it. And it's just a brilliant, if you're a fan of Star Trek, the next generation, and I think anybody that's my age is because it was massive back then. And it was just huge, huge thing. Uh, and you haven't checked out Picard yet. You, you should, it's a brilliant, I think personally, Sir Patrick at his best, he is killing it in this series it's he's brilliant and he's so good to watch and um yeah check out picard yeah man yeah number two for both of us and i mean this makes sense because it's definitely one of the best film spinoffs in a franchise by far and we're huge fans of michael b jordan so i mean of course creed yes coming into this character i mean just what he was able to do being adonis creed's son and to be able to bring that fresh new light into a much beloved rocky franchise i think is so well done and so special and that dynamic between him and sly that they had the first two i felt like was very special but now i mean you know what whatever sly is saying now but creed in general the first one specifically was so fucking good so i mean of course that's why we had to put on our list yeah and i i mean i don't think anybody thought that there would ever be a rocky spinoff no not at right all. like you know, maybe the rocky story just keeps going and going and going and is he gonna keep making them and everything this was a brilliant way to further rocky without rocky i thought it was really good you know and it, yeah i'm with you the first creed was just a really sentimental and touching way to say goodbye to Rocky. It was. But carry on the story. And I thought it was really good. And I'm fucking pumped for this one. I know there was some creative differences there, you know, this time around, which is why Rocky's not in it. Um, but I feel like it's time anyway. This is Creed. It's a legit spinoff. And it's not Rocky and Creed. It's Creed. Well, what made, what made no sense to me is because you remember after the last one came out, he had that whole Sly had that whole big speech at, at a, on the beach on the with the campfire and shit. Right. Remember that? Yep. Like that was like a fail, farewell speech. So that's why I was kind of confused that he was throwing all the shades. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know. I would I would like to see though, and, and Emily brought this up, and I do think it would probably be good. As you guys know, Milo Ventimiglia there played Rocky's son did. in one of the Rocky films, and that motherfucker's jacked now and big, and, and like, who doesn't want to see Rocky's son throw down with Adonis at some point? I mean, It'd Milo be, and Michael B. in the ring? It would be pretty badass. It would be pretty fucking yeah, I'm awesome. just saying. Just saying we're, we're just putting that out there for anybody that wants to grab it and maybe make that happen. I'm exactly, just, oh. exactly. And he wouldn't be top biller, because I think that's really what um, a lot of films that Milo has starred in for um, you know theatrical release, they haven't really done well. And with him not being top biller, I think that might open up a whole new door for him in the film world so yeah that would be exciting well number one for me on this list and i mean you guys can tell like we said earlier in the show we're huge into pop culture yes. when it comes to marvel and star wars so number one for me is the obi-wan kenobi series this one Makes was sense. long in development everybody been talking about it for years what was gonna happen and then bringing back everyone from my star wars movies from when i was growing up the prequels but i just loved it i mean it is i mean mandalorian is by far the best one of the star wars series that is out right now but i mean obi-wan is right there oh it was so freaking good a lot of people were giving it hate and i don't even understand why because the storytelling was good i mean the vx v 
FX effects were amazing. And I mean, yeah, I was just a super big fan of it. So Obi-Wan Kenobi, my number one choice. Oh, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I loved the dynamic between Obi and Vader. Yeah. And you see why Vader is Vader. That, that you know, any chance of Anakin being is gone. You see that. They do that scene brilliantly. And it just, you needed that. Because in the original trilogy, like, what the fuck? He was his guy. And now why do they hate each other? Why haven't they seen each other all these years? You get that in this series. You find out why that is and what it is. I, I just, yeah, it was a brilliant telling of... of I, that's what I really like about this this franchise now on on Disney Plus with all these Star Wars things. They're filling in the gaps yep. between what you needed to know before the original trilogy, right? Like, oh, that's what happened. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, it's a brilliant show, and I hope it gets a season two. I legitimately hope it gets a season two. Me too. And um, I mean, last that Hewan and Ewan are Hewan, um, Hayden and Ewan, like. They're just fans. They oh, yeah. love the character so much, and it's so nice to see how well-received it was because when those films came out, it was not well-received. But, they, I mean, it was for our generation, so I'm happy to see it. Exactly. All right, my number one, it's no surprise to anybody that Wolverine is my all-time favorite comic book character ever. 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 You guys know that. So it only makes sense that my number one is a spinoff from the X-Men movies that finally got him right. I'm, of course, talking about Logan. Now, he, I never had anything against Hugh Jackman. I always thought that he legitimately loved this character, and he gave it every effort to get the character right in every film. The studio just would not let that happen. Yeah. And finally, they gave the go-ahead. All right, let's make this motherfucker rated R. Let's get to the gritty. And Mangold was the perfect choice, right? When you saw the Wolverine, you knew they were on the right track, right? They were like, fuck Wolverine Origins. That was a goddamn disaster. So Mangold, <laughs> Mangold said, let's get this character right. So they established the Wolverine, and they you could see they were getting there. They're moving there. And then Mangold just killed it with Logan. It was fucking brilliant. He finally was the guy that if you look at him wrong, he's going to gut you and fucking g just serve you for dinner somewhere. Like... He he was a badass, and I love that he was old man Logan, who was the badass, and still in just miserable pain, and life was killing him, the healing factor wasn't working anymore, he still fucking popped them claws and fucking gutted people, he was like, yeah. I got shit to do, I got shit, I ain't gonna do this shit. I loved it, and I was so happy for Hugh, who all those years kept telling the fans, I'm right there with you. I understand. Yeah. I know what you want. I'm trying to get us there. And he did. And to, now the idea that he's coming back in Deadpool 3 is just fuck. Because, as I said, X-Men Origins Wolverine was a fucking disaster. It was a disaster for Wolvie. It was a more of a fucking disaster for Deadpool. But thankfully they got that right. And now we're going to get to see them together finally. So I'm super pumped. So my number one, without saying it, it's... Logan, of course, who finally got my man right. 
Yes, exactly, man, exactly. Well, what is your favorite spinoff? We know you're a pop culture fan, so oh, we want to sure. know. What is it? Be sure to comment below in the YouTube section. Uh, add us on Twitter or anywhere and everywhere you're listening to this podcast. Be sure to comment below. Yes. Well, heading over to the box office recap. Oh, my goodness. As we told you in the industry news, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania came in at number one with $104 million. Yes. Now, Avatar The Way of Water came in at number two with $6.1 million. Now, at number three was Magic Mike's Last Dance with $5.4 million. I've heard that sucks. Yeah. That's yeah. what I've heard. I, that's unfortunate because it was a good franchise and he's popular. He is. But everything I've heard, this one's not good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, number four, uh, coming in number four was Puss in Boots, The Last Wish with 5.3 million. And number five was Knock at the Cabin. I want to see this one. 3.9. New movies coming out this week is Cocaine Bear. Oh my goodness. We're so super excited about seeing that one. The next one I actually do want to see, but I don't know where it is shown this is the one with kelsey Grammer. it's actually a religious film and i think it looks absolutely amazing yeah uh jesus revolution basically about an old-time priest or pastor who comes in contact with the hippie movement and welcomes all these people in to his church and tries not to judge them for yeah. who they are i think it actually looks really freaking it good does. these faith-based movies are actually doing really well right now a lot of them are coming out so might as well watch it. Um, Mummies, the My Happy Ending, and uh, Juniper, whatever the fuck those are, and select theaters near you. I love the humor of our podcast producer, Jason, though. Out of, out of the five, he has a little little uh, in parentheses next to Cocaine Bear, the only one of these movies that will place. Yep. Like, and he's right. He's probably right. But, you know, exactly. because of what you just said, you don't even know where these other movies are. And you that's don't. the unfortunate thing, because they're probably decent films mm-hmm. that you can't find to go see. So. Exactly, man. Man, exactly. Well, movies you can still go see right now. 80 for Brady. Titanic. Yeah. Um, Marlo missing a man called Otto. And then, of course, Ant-Man, Avatar, Magic Mike, Puss in Boots, <laughs> Knock at the Cabin. All of those places, yes. man. Now, IMD Pro's top trending segment, man oh man, of course the top trending movie is Ant-Man and the Wasp. What a duh. Come on now. That shouldn't even be a question. La- uh, Last of Us is the top trending TV show, which only makes sense because everybody is talking about this. Nationwide, uh, freaking uh, worldwide, it's a great freaking show. Oh, yeah. Please make sure Pedro's not dead. Come on. Don't kill Pedro. Right? Like, come on. I was just, like, in in shock at the end of the last episode. I'm mm. like, that can't even be possible. I'd be so pissed. I, I just, like, what? I'd be no. so pissed. And the top trending star is Raquel Welch. Yeah. So. I hate when the top trending star is because they died. I know. I hate that. I get it, but I hate that. It's like, damn. Well, it's because sucks. so many people search, who the fuck is Raquel Welch? I don't know who that is. Do you, who is it? Educate yeah, she, me. Okay, so Raquel Welch, like, ridiculously famous actress way back in the day, uh, the 60s, 70s, you know, even into the 80s, I would say, um, but more known for her incredible looks. Mm. She was absolutely beautiful, drop-dead gorgeous, pin-up girl. Um, she was amazing and um, known for her particular body part. No. Uh, yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, she was amazing. She was a really gifted actress and a really great actress, but more people knew her from her, uh, looks. 
Yeah. Um, you know. You know. But yeah, I mean, you know, sex symbols—they—they've been a part of for as long as we've been around, right? So yeah, I mean, it's—it's sure. it's what it is. But it's what it is, man. Is what it is. But yeah, it's great. At least things are changing now. Yeah. At least see, things man, are am I right though? She was. She yeah. Was a, she, she was, was a looker. She was beautiful. Here's her with Tom Selleck. If you guys can see that. Yep. There she is. <laughs> uh, fun fact: I didn't know this. I learned this in a podcast this week. Tom Selleck was up for the role of Indiana Jones. Yeah. That's yeah. Crazy. And had to pass on it because of Magnum. PI yeah. because because of the commitment that he had already made to the network for Magnum. Hey, it worked great for Harrison, worked fine for Tom. It's yeah. all good, right? Another interesting casting thing that I learned. It was on Dak Shepard's podcast. It was an interview with Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd, Dak Shepard, and Bradley Cooper were all up for that one role in The Hangover. Yeah. And yeah. Bradley Cooper beat out those two other amazing actors. Isn't it so crazy to think about these different actors in those roles? And then and then how we always talk about like things happen for a reason. And when yeah. it's your time, the spotlight will shine on you. And that's because it's meant to shine on somebody else at another time. Yeah. Because these guys end up being, could you imagine anybody else as fucking Magnum PI other than Tom no, Selleck? No, not at all. Can you imagine anybody other than Indy, like for Harrison Ford? No. You can't. It happens for reasons. It does. And, and that's why. And I mean, that yeah, uh, that's what you can take from stories like that. It's just like, it's meant to be. Exactly, I man. Mean, exactly. Well, thank you guys for getting crazy with us on episode 219 of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. Yes. Holy moly. We got to thank our guest one more time, Max Montezzi. Woo! for coming on the show be sure to follow him on instagram he is there man oh man you will love the content be sure to follow the company on social media and the podcast at crazy ant media and at it cat podcast anywhere and everywhere you are on social media and you guys know you can follow us personally on social media myself at j logan austin anywhere and everywhere on social media and and me at crazy ant guy no at crazy ant ceo i'm on it i knew it would happen at some point at some point but you know i swear it's just coffee it's, it's just not coffee. wine time yet but crazy ant ceo at crazy ant ceo yes everywhere on social media that's right that's right <laughs> and you guys know you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast anchor apple podcast spotify google play music iHeartRadio, podbean stitcher and so much more we've been seeing a lot of youtube love recently yeah and we really freaking appreciate that man be sure to hit the like button on the video subscribe to the channel and ring the bell for all the latest and greatest notifications coming out of crazy ant media because it's not just the podcast guys we make movies yes oh i love it i love it, it maybe was- making a tv show exactly exactly so much stuff <laughs> happening at crazy mania that's why you have to follow us subscribe to the channel and stay up to date with everything going on yes and be sure to visit our website www.crazyantmedia.com where you can start rocking the latest and greatest crazy ant media gear again 15 percent off right now all merchandise including cups yes cups cups i know this is also a audio version but if you're watching the youtube video you got a nice look at our Awesome freaking coffee mugs. Yes. And 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 on the website, you can watch YouTube. You can watch some of our favorite interviews from ItCalf Podcast. You can listen to the new podcast, Everything's Okay, which has been diving deep into mental health and our own journey through that. You can find out about the film. You can find out about the television project All that I it. just met. All that shit. Go to crazyantmedia.com. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, man, oh, man, what another great episode. I there There was so much to unveil in this episode but i'm super excited about 
Welcome to Dairy. Welcome to Dairy is going to be so freaking good. I feel it in my bones. They did it right with these this um, these films that they just released these past couple years. So I'm super excited to get more history into Stephen King's world because man, oh man, it's a dark and fucked up place, but it's so great. But yeah, a lot of good stuff coming. Uh, yeah, and I was super pumped about all the Marvel stuff. You know, I know, I know Phase 5, Phase 4, l- let's face it everybody was just pretty much not a fan of it and phase five has already seen a mixed but i personally loved ant-man i did too uh, quantum mania yeah. i think it was a great launch and i think the future the king dynasty and all the stuff that's coming over the next couple of phases five and six i th- i'm excited for it and I'm, I'm excited every time we talk about new news about it and everything so that was pumped and then i was also disappointed you know obviously the last season of succession that sucks. And I'm kind of like kind of mad that they haven't made a decision on East New York. It's one of my favorite shows. Yeah. Um and I, I you know, so there I <laughs> this episode was all up and down for me. I'm loving it. I hate it. I love it. I hate it. Like, you know. It is what it is, man. It is what it is. <laughs> but there is one person that you all know we love. Oh, Oprah! Oprah!